Come on around back, Arizona, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the Outdoor Living Hour of Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. Kicking off the first broadcast of the year, first Saturday of the month, that means we're talking farm fresh commodities, and we've got Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau joining us in studio, and you always bring a guest, but before we get to that, I was reading my Arizona Agricultural Publication, and the speech that y'all had transcribed from Stephanie in there had something very interesting in it that said, if you could only eat what's locally grown in your state, you would want to be in Arizona. Is that not cool? I was so inspired by that speech, and I convinced her that we had to put it in the our monthly publication. And Stephanie's small house, our president for Arizona Farm Bureau, is so thoughtful, so... I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, I was, that was a perfect highlight and thought, you know, that's a, that's a perfect intro to this uh, broadcast today. And there was another interesting stat over the last 30 years, uh, urban and industrial water withdrawals in Arizona have risen 68% and agricultural water withdrawals have reduced by 35%. Correct. Yes, we uh, discovered that statistic recently and we've been talking a lot about it where we're reducing it in ag- agriculture because of our efficiencies in urban areas. It's increasing, and obviously that's growth of population, but um, it's just one of those notes that sometimes people don't really think about. No, you don't, and you don't think about agriculture being a $23 billion industry or that leafy greens would have ever passed dairy and cattle to be the number one commodity in Arizona, which is our topic today. Yes, um, $2 billion, and we've got one our guest this morning is probably one of the most well-versed, especially when it comes to food safety. This is Cami Van Horn, uh, otherwise known also as coming from the well-known Weddle family, from uh, farm family from both Yuma and Casa Grande. So Cami, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me and I'm glad that I was able to call in and join you guys. Except, I, I mean, I would like to be in studio, but I appreciate the opportunity to call in. So thank you. Well, now that you're back to being kind of a Yuma farmer, sort of kind of, um, <laughs> we wanted to give you some grace because that's kind of a drive. But Cami, we're right on target then. Tell us about your family's farm background and then your your career and why you have such an expertise in food safety. Definitely. Well, my family farm, um, I grew up on a family farm, like you said, in Yuma. Uh, on the Mesa. My parents still farm there today with my brother and his wife, and uh, we do alfalfa, and and we have some citrus acreage, and I guess it's just always um, kind of pulled me back. I really, when I went to college, I was in the College of Agriculture, and I, I received a degree in microbiology, but I didn't necessarily know that I would end up in agriculture one day, and I did actually have the opportunity to jump into it with Russo Farming Company, and I was their director of food safety for, I guess, just over 15 years. And then I've transitioned um, into uh, my new position, which allowed me to move back to Yuma, where I met my husband. And um, so now I am the Arizona Lisa Green Marketing Agreement Technical Assistant. And what I do there is basically provide growers and harvesters and shippers some guidance on how to implement our food safety practices 
and um, when there's changes, how best that they can be compliant with those changes. And then I also do quite a bit of training um, involved with that as well with food safety professionals. So um, I'm graced and glad that I've been able to move back to Yuma and um, still stay in the food safety. And obviously the produce world is, is big down here in Yuma. So it's been a, a great transition for me. Well, and then the Arizona Leafy Greens Marketing Agreement, it's a very proactive system for really effectively managing the whole food safety arena. And the other thing that strikes me, so you're pretty much a microbiologist too, correct? That's what you got your degree mm-hmm. in? Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. You guys are getting right down to the microscopic level and checking out good and bad creepy crawly things, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So what We're- inspired that? Uh, my career choice or the, or the um, degree? Oh, the degree. I guess I, I, well, originally I wanted to go into, um, being a pharmacist and like I said, I kind of wanted to go into, uh, being in the college of agriculture because it was a smaller college at the time versus being in the college of science. And so that's kind of what led me to that. And then, um, I think that that kind of helped me just stay in agriculture instead of making the leap to pharmacy, but. But it was kind of serendipitous, based on what you said earlier, yeah. that you didn't realize that you'd have such great opportunities in agriculture based on your degree. Exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of people um, don't recognize that there's a lot of different careers in agriculture. You don't necessarily just have to be a farmer or a rancher. You can do a lot of other different um, career options inside of the agriculture realm. And that's what young people have to know today, that if you want some connection or, or footprint in agriculture, you don't have to necessarily be the farmer or the rancher. There's a lot of opportunities and a lot of needs in agriculture for sh- sharp young people that want to contribute to it. Uh, and on that point, knowing now that this has evolved your career, starting out with Rousseau and now you're back in Yuma, what oftentimes do you find is your biggest challenge about what you have to do? Well, I think that uh, some of the largest challenges that we face in farming in general are just that we're at, you know, the mercy of the weather and the markets, but um, that there's a lot of other companies and industries that have those external challenges, but those, with those challenges come like great opportunities. And so I think, you know, some of the outbreaks that we've had in leafy greens and other commodities in the past, you know, now we've had the opportunity to build organizations like the Arizona Leafy Green Marketing Agreement that help those farmers, you know, navigate kind of the latest food safety research and establish um, new guidances for the farmers to follow so that they make sure that they're implementing those latest technologies and they're growing and harvesting operations. So, um I think that every time, you know, if we have an outbreak, God forbid, you know, at least we are we have science to back up, you know, to make changes to those metrics and guidances that that farmers follow and then implement those changes. So now we have more extensive environmental risk assessments that we conduct on our adjacent land. And we also do more extensive water quality assessments. And now we even treat water. Um, based on how we're using it and the quality of that water. So even though we've had challenges, I think that, you know, being able to take those challenges and turn them into opportunities like our growers are doing um, is is great. Yeah. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And it strikes me, we we don't think of this, that 
we're, you guys are feeding us 365 days out of the year, every day, on an ongoing, consistent basis. And it's amazing, whether it's a small or a large farm, how we've had to scale this, maybe not had to, but proactively you've, here in Arizona, people like you in the food safety arena have really made a commitment to be proactive about it. And uh, I just love what the Leafy Green marketing agreement does for us. I feel a lot more secure in what you guys are doing as farmers because you've been so proactive with it. Um, and on that point, why do you think Arizona does the leafy greens thing so well, whether it be the the food safety arena or just the production of leafy greens? I mean, it. we scale this. What is one of the statistics I wanted to make sure I sh- shared? Something like 170 million servings daily our farmers grow just in Yuma for uh-huh. Canada for the Canada and United States. And that's not to exclude because there's a lot of produce production in Pinal County and also Maricopa County. That's correct. I mean, I think Arizona in general is just unique. We have this beautiful climate um, and then this great fertile soil. And then we are, we have the Colorado river water. And so we're able to grow these uh, crops more efficient, efficiently. And like you said, we do it, better than we've done in generations past with less inputs um we we grow and harvest more so we just and i want to make sure everyone understands also that you know in yuma county when we're harvesting in full speed we have the logistics and the transportation and the facilities to make sure that we can harvest a great amount of um, cartons every day that can be shipped out like you said the 170 million servings a day are going um, out of Yuma. So, to all over the country and right into Canada. The States. Mm-hmm. I guess so 90% of our lettuce and leafy greens are coming out of uh, this area right now, Arizona. And even though I think it's in January, it's considered soup month. It's the cool weather. So, we like a lot. Of, <laughs> but it's also proof of the pudding because Yuma is always doing this in the winter or Arizona in general that we still want our salads. We um, met with friends last night because one of my BFFs, it's her birthday, and every one of us had a Caesar salad, which has romaine. So, that, mm-hmm. and I told everyone around the table because I'm a little bit too obsessed with some of our Arizona agriculture statistics now. I said, this romaine lettuce, I guarantee you it's coming from Yuma right now. So mm-hmm. it's just... And one of the great things about that's come out of food safety too is, you know, if you look on your bags of salad, it'll say what region it's coming out of. So it'll say Yuma or it'll say Phoenix or, you know, Salinas if it's in the summertime. So that's one thing that consumers can kind of look at and say, oh, my lettuce is coming from this region at this time. So I'm going to dwell on that point a bit because it's true. If you pick up your bagged salad right now, you can flip that over and it's going to say where it's coming from. Yeah, usually just on right where the date code is, where it tells you, you know, best by uh, January 10th or whatever, it'll say grown in and then it'll say the region. So Yuma or um, Phoenix, like I said. And I I love the idea that when we go into the produce aisle of the grocery store or we go to the farmer's market, but certainly right now in the produce aisle for all of our listeners, all of those leafy greens that you see, and there's 15 listed 
in um, the um, Arizona Leafy Greens Marketing Agreement, those 15 mm-hmm. listed leafy greens, I'm guaranteed that I'm getting that from the Yuma or Maricopa County area. I love lettuce, you love lettuce, we love lettuce, 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 la 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 lettuce, la 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 Lettuce, 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 lettuce. Lettuce. That's what we're talking about today. Arizona leafy greens is the key word if you're following along in the homeowner handbook. And you can see a preview each month of what our weekly topics are that plan for the outdoor living hour. And you had mentioned 15. Before we get to the 15 list, the cash receipts. Uh, some really interesting numbers because you have to combine all the greens together for right. leafy green to beat a head of dairy and cattle. But individually, romaine lettuce, 443 million, head lettuce, 374 million, leaf lettuce, 153 million, spinach, 150 million, cabbage, 70 million. Now, who do you think goes through and counts all those up and categorizes <laughs> The USDA, <laughs> United States Department of Ag, they're National Agricultural Statistics Service does that. Dave DeWalt is our representative here. We've had him on the radio before, and he uh, he and his team calculate those numbers. And those are just cash receipts. It doesn't represent the entire economic impact of again just Yuma alone. But we got to keep in mind Pinal County, Maricopa County grows some of those leafy greens too. The fun thing that I like to highlight, um, and we have before. But there's no expectations that we all remember this. But Arizona's 15 leafy greens that are covered by the Arizona Leafy Greens Agreement, and it's the agreement that assures stringent food safety practices are the endive. I know I'm going to pronounce this one incorrectly, but Cami, you'll help me. Escarola or escarole? Escarole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Spring mix, cabbage, romaine lettuce, butter lettuce, arugula, iceberg lettuce, green leaf lettuce, Red leaf lettuce, baby leaf spinach, and then spinach. I made that all as one word, but it's <laughs> baby, baby leaf, leaf and spinach. spinach. <laughs> Kale, chard, and radicchio? Radicchio, yeah. Radicchio. Okay, so and those basically, besides everything else you do, it's those 15 within the leafy green agreement that you're now kind of spearheading, at least in the Yuma area, correct? Did I get that right? Yeah, so the Arizona LGMA covers those 15 commodities. So if a grower is growing any of those commodities, then they would sign up for the program. And then that means that they would have to be in full compliance with our food safety standards, um, which means then they would also go through an on-farm audit and make sure that um, that they are in compliance with the metrics. And then they can use our... um, you know, then they're a member of the Arizona Leafy Greens and they can use our mark to sell or promote their product. And with that, along with being a member, then they're also entitled to a lot of other resources or they can utilize a lot of other resources that we put out there. So trainings um, that we do and um, we have some, our website also has some resources for them to utilize to make sure that all their you know, documents are up to speed, and um, if they have any questions, and then that's when they reach out to me, and I can help them that's cool. uh, navigate that. It's and it's self-imposed. That's the other thing that's impressive about it. So, mm-hmm. assuming that you may say uh, safety, 
What do you consider the primary focus for farmers and shippers? Because there's that food chain link connection with the farmers and the shippers in the leafy greens industry. Yes, I mean, their primary focus probably right now, besides water and labor, um, is food safety, I think. I think on everyone's top of mind is um, making sure that they're in compliance and they want to make sure that they're growing a crop that's safe for consumers to to eat because all of us are feeding it to our families as well. And, um, you know, like you said, we all like having our salads and you had your Caesar salad last night and my mom brought over some like Zupa Toscana soup that she made. That's the Olive Garden recipe and it had kale in it. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, all of our families, um, you know, make and uh, eat the lettuce and leafy greens that we grow. So we want to make sure that we're just keeping it safe. Another for everyone. That's awesome. Another note is nearly 20% of Arizona's leafy greens are produced organically. It's meeting the market demand. Then obviously the other 80% are conventionally to meet, again, consumer interest in both. But both of them have uh, stringent, strident requirements and food safeties, regulations. So, And they both produce a very nutritious uh, product. What we have to remember with organic and conventional, it is a method of farming more than anything. So another question for you, Cami, is what fascinates you about the Arizona agriculture's leafy greens industry? What's Maybe another way to ask that is what makes you most proud? Well, I just I think it's our ability to produce a quality product in the desert southwest and um, like Romy was saying earlier, it's like, it, wow, this is in Arizona. This is what we're um, producing and um, getting your locally grown food right now coming out of Arizona. It's just it's just a neat kind of story that we have and agriculture and the community here in Yuma, especially just have a, a lot of wonderful, hardworking people that care deeply um, for the product that they're growing. And so I just I think that that's fascinating and it makes me happy to be a part of it. And as Dean Burgess from the U of A, the University of Arizona says, it's a nu- the nutrition state. So that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Julie Murphy, spokeswoman for the Arizona Farm Bureau, in the studio with us this Farm Fresh Hour. And her guest, uh, Cami Van Horn. I had to pause for that because uh, I was actually <laughs> going through uh, her previous broadcast. She's been a guest Jan- in July of 21 and then in uh, January of 22. So third third time joining us here yes <laughs> let's make a salad yum, yum, yum. let's make a salad yum, yum, yum. let's make a salad yum 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 lettuce lettuce tomato you know, Julie, tomato. i was reading the arizona farm bureau's Broccoli, 2024 broccoli. priorities and under the Arizona Department of Agriculture, there was three different talking points. And I thought, you know, we don't often talk about the difference between the Arizona Farm Bureau and the Arizona Department of Agriculture. What's the difference between the two agencies and the roles they play? The simplest way to explain it is Arizona Farm Bureau is in no way, shape, or form a governmental agency, either on the local, state, or national level. We're an advocacy group at its core. Uh, we do lobby. We are a 501c5. We're nonprofit, but we're not a 501c3. We're a 501c5. So if we want to lobby at the state level, Arizona Farm Bureau has to register just like the rest of us. And most of the time, we serve up our farmers and ranchers, use that metaphor on purpose. 
uh, the farmers and ranchers to speak to committees at the state legislature to say, hey, here's what our challenges and problems are. Here's what our successes and benefits are. So that's the distinction. Good question, because a lot of people hear the word bureau, and no, we're not the other. It sounds like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's a good question to ask. And I've got a question for Cammie. Joining us from Yuma, we're talking Arizona Leafy Greens. This is her third time on the broadcast with us. And it was pretty cold this morning when I went out to feed. My truck said 32 degrees when I got in uh, after, after feeding the horses. And it says, one of the points here is spinach is a natural hydrator it's 91 percent water how does lettuce and leafy greens not freeze when they're that much water content (laughs) Uh, yeah they they can get damaged definitely um but the majority of the time with our climate there's not a lot of damage other than they won't um they'll they'll not harvest until you know, the sun comes up and there's there's no frost um, because if you were to harvest when there was frost going on, then that would definitely cause quality issues on the product. So um, usually, I mean, I know we're supposed to get down pretty cold and have a hard freeze, I think, Monday um, it's showing here. So um, they're definitely getting prepared for that and making sure the crops um, have water and especially on the citrus, you want to make sure that your citrus is all well watered, and then um, we do have what we call wind machines in the area that'll move that air around if we don't have any wind um, that day. But, yep, it's definitely, that's a good question, and it can happen. And there are some food safety practices when we get a hard freeze that farmers will have to go out and make sure that there's no issues with the crop um, and do a risk hazard assessment of that crop before they harvest it, too. So, there's lots of things that farmers have to uh, take into account on a day-to-day basis, so it keeps them on their toes, I guess. <laughs> and water, in terms of rain, can be a concern because if it's too muddy or wet, it's hard to get into the fields to harvest, correct? Or am I off on that one? Yeah. No, you're correct. We had a good rain, was it um, right before Christmas, I would right. think? And um, so there were definitely some people that laid out. It was just too muddy to get in and harvest. and um, but, you know, the next day, I know there were some people in that were getting that crop because at the end of the day, when the crop's ready, it needs to needs to get to the cooler and get to the consumer. And especially during, you know, the holiday season, we need to make sure that our grocery stores are stocked for the consumers to go and, right. and purchase. Because we do have the mm-hmm. demand, which uh, once I want to prompt because we're talking about harvesting and then obviously the shipping, but daily between Thanksgiving and Easter, 1,500 to 2,000 refrigerated semi-truck-loaded loads of leafy greens leave Yuma to deliver all over American Canada so all of us can enjoy our leafy greens even during the wintertime, as we've been talking about. These refrigerated truckloads of vegetables can deliver to New York in three to four days, and that is the operative word. These trucks are refrigerated to keep things fresh. And so it can be on someone's salad plate at the family dinner table or at a high-end restaurant fresh and ready to eat all the way in New York. So um, I like to highlight that point because sometimes we don't realize the, the logistics aspect of it. And the reality of it is if we don't have good logistics, we're not going to get this wonderful product all over the country. And again, right. to our local markets at all. Yeah. Satis- satisfies our local markets as, as well. From when you first started, right. go the- ahead. Were you going to add to that? 
Oh, yeah, I was just going to say that the semi truckloads, it's pretty incredible to see, you know, the logistics, like you said, that goes on in Yuma County this time of year because the trucks are just lined up at the coolers waiting for that product to come out of the fields. And so when the harvest is delayed for either rain or, or frost, like we were discussing, you know, then those trucks just get backed up and those appointments get missed. And then the retailer, you know, it just creates that um you know, back up in this supply chain. So it's, Yeah, it kind of clogs up the supply chain. From when you first started in the industry till now, and you were young, so it hasn't been that long, but what are what would you classify as some of the most important and significant changes in the food industry on behalf of the leafy greens industry? Well, I think for one, um, you know, the Arizona Leafy Green Marketing Agreement just in general. So that came about in 2007 in Arizona. And then after that, um, we had also the Food Safety Modernization Act that was signed um, by the president. And so those two big food safety um, regulations that, you know, and organizations that came about um, really are probably the largest. Um, but now, you know, we, we have stricter um, environmental risk assessments that we conduct, and um, now we also have water treatment. And so, you know, if you would have asked the industry probably 10 years ago, would we be treating our water? Most of the people probably would have said no. <laughs> but now, you know, we've been doing it and we're more efficient at it. We're more targeted in our water treatment. And um, so I think the industry and um, people in general are just, you know, more used to it and it's common practice and it kind of just goes with the territory now. So, um, but those are probably, I think, the, the largest advancements in that um, area in food safety is both of those cool. that came about. So, yeah. you know, you're in the thick of it and it doesn't necessarily have to be food safety. It might even be a fun point, but what's one fact about Arizona's leafy green industry that most of us in the consumer arena really don't realize? Well, one that I came across that I thought was really fascinating was that there it's, it takes about 17 million hours of on-farm labor to produce 1 billion pounds of lettuce that is grown and harvested in Yuma each month. Wow. So if you just think about the amount of labor that that is, it's just incredible to think like the logistics of organizing, you know, that and the planning that goes into these crops and um, to get them onto everyone's plates. It's just, I think, a fascinating fact. Do you have any statistics on how many acres of leafy greens are planted in Yuma County? You know, I don't know if I have the exact acreage. Um, I know that you uh, just dumped me. <laughs> Paul Briarly might tell us if he's listening. Our new uh, director of the Arizona Department of Ag, but and I, I invite all my Yuma farmers to correct me. Send me a text if I'm incorrect, but I want to say something like one hundred eighty thousand to two hundred thousand acres in production just in Yuma Valley alone. Again, that's yeah, not... Yeah, and that's all production, not right. just leafy grains. So. Well, that's true, all production. Yeah. So, um, and don't forget, I always like to emphasize that because we always call Yuma the lettuce capital of the nation during the winter, during that uh, seasonal aspect of it. But also Pinal County and Maricopa County are growing some leafy greens. So um, it's mm -hmm. a lot of acres. It would expand if we went beyond 
the question that Romy asked. Uh, so yeah, this is a good segue to a water question. What's important for ag to keep doing as it relates to water? I mean, it may be an obvious answer, but I still want to ask it. Yeah, well, I think we just need to continue to be more efficient um, with our water use. And I think Romy, you know, pointed out that that ag is using less water. I think it was at 35% less than we mm-hmm. did um, before. So it's we are being efficient. We're conserving. But I think just continuing to do that is, you know, we're in a drought and, and water is still, you know, a prized commodity. So, and as our population grows, you know, we have to be cognizant of that. So um, we don't irrigate a crop unless it needs it, but we have to irrigate it when it does. So I think people... Um, Yuma Ag Water, if anyone is interested, can go on to Instagram or the Yuma Fresh Vegetable Association website, and there's a link. There's a great Yuma um, video that they put together on yes. Yuma Ag Water. So one of the, if anyone has time to do that, that's a It's great so one worth it. It's a really inspiring video. I didn't even have mm-hmm. this, but I just rem- uh, as a talking point, but back to that speech that's transcribed in your Arizona Agricultural Publication is – uh, talking about the Arizona growers of crops in one year spent $53 million on new irrigation equipment, which rounded out to about 42000 per farm and $150 per acre on new irrigation equipment that uh, really is, it was a big part of the water right. reduction. It's not just, you know, yes, obviously when development plows over a, a farm field, that changes the water use there. But the water use changes a lot from farmers adapting to new irrigation methods. Yeah, and it's uh, a constant. I can speak to that on the Murphy farm. Dad was always looking for a new and better way and making application of the latest technology so that he could reduce his water use. And there were more than one motivations. I mean, I feel like most of our farmers today are conservationists, but they're also looking at the bottom line. It's a business, and so they're penciling it out. So, and Cami, I bet you can speak to that with your the Weddell family. If, if you can find a better and improved way, and it adds to the bottom line of the business in a positive, then I think you're going to make an application to that. And the, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's just a good business decision for anyone in whatever industry they're in. So you have to you have to look at your bottom line, but you also have to, you know, find new and inventive ways to to do something efficiently, especially with labor shortages and, you know, everything else that we face. Yes. And an interesting fact about uh, Yuma Water, you know, you hear a lot about the water regulations from the Central Arizona Project Canal and, you know, pumping that water 336 miles through the state and uh, they get 1.4 million acre feet and that's cut back to 1.2 or 1. You know, my numbers are uh, might not be exact, but very, fairly close there. Well, what they don't often talk about, they have to let a lot of water pass because Yuma gets another million acre feet that they get to pump out. So those cutbacks mm-hmm. that may happen to the CAP don't affect what we get to pump out in Yuma to grow and you know, we're able to maintain that lettuce capital, the citrus uh, hub, and all the all the produce that comes out of Yuma County. Right. And they always say, ag needs to reduce its water. Well, we've been doing that for decades, not just a couple of years ago, but decades. And then I always have to ask the question, if we want to eat, we can't cut off our water. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, some other fun statistics is no – this isn't so much a st- – 
statistic. This is a proclamation. November is Arizona Leafy Greens Month. It celebrates the Mm -hmm. kickoff of Arizona's leafy green season all over the state. With abundant growth, harvest, and shipments of Arizona-grown lettuce throughout the United States and Canada. And we we highlight that fact that the industry is so important to the rest of the United States. But again, we have a really strong and solid local market thanks to what Yuma... Pinal County, Maricopa County do. Um, and I, I just want to stress this statistic again. We said it earlier than the, in the show, but Yuma farmers produce 170 million servings of lettuce per day from November to April, eaten by Americans and Canadians. And Yuma County ranks in the top 10th of the top 1% of counties in vegetable production in America. Hello, John Owens, the water specialist with Connecticut Quality Waters. You're listening to Rosie on the House. It was a cool morning, but just know we're only 72 days away from spring. Whoa. (laughs) And that entire time, 170 million servings of lettuce will continue to come out of Yuma, Arizona. That is so true. Uh, We we lose it a little bit when it gets too cold for us here in Arizona because we're not (laughs) used to it. Cammie, I can't believe it, but this is our fourth segment. But I wanted to ask you real quickly about technology advances that you're excited about for agriculture in general and or specifically for the safety, uh, food safety area. Yeah, I mean, I think that over the last couple of years, we've just seen lots of um, new technology on automatic like laser thinners and weeders. And um, I think that that helps, you know, cut down on our hand labor that's out there weeding. Um, and so I just I wanted to bring that up and make sure everyone knows about some of the technology because some of our young people that might be listening or their parents that they can pass on the word that, you know, there are lots of technology jobs. We're utilizing uh, drones more in crop protection product applications and mapping of fields to make sure that we're more efficient in our fertilizer applications and so that's always just really neat, um, and I wanted to make sure that we share it. And, you know, in the food safety realm, we also have, you know, like I said, advancements in water treatment earlier um, that we're doing. And um, where University of Arizona has a great water quality specialist, Dr. Chana Rock, and I think that, Julie, you've talked to her a couple yes. times. And um, she's just such a blessing for our industry, and she does a lot of great water quality research, and she keeps the industry, you know, up to date on the latest, um, maybe, maybe I can get her, maybe I can get her on, uh, Rosie. The radio. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She is amazing. Speaking of that laser technology, the way I describe it may not be a fair, fair description, but it looks like this oversized black box slash refrigerator looking thing. And it's just roaming (laughs) down the field. I, I'm sure it's, you know, remotely directed, but it's zapping the weeds. It's an amazing technology. And I think is just like with all technology as it matures and goes to version 2.0, 3.0, it just gets better and better. It's amazing. Some of the things we can do. What about research? Some of the, you have real quickly. Um, Well, I think what Dr. Shanna rocks, some of her um, water quality research, and um, she's also doing some work on harvesting equipment and, um, you know, cross-contamination that can occur there and making sure that the industry has all of the tools necessary to make sure that the harvesting equipment um, has clean surfaces and how best to do that. So I think that hopefully just in the next 20 years, we get more research and technology that allows us, you know, to 
detect these pathogens in the environment better and more efficient, uh, efficiently and um, so that we can make sure that we can, can continue to uh, provide safe uh, crops to the U.S. You know, another statistic I want to toss out real quick, and this comes from the Yuma Fresh, Fresh Vegetable Association, is we're talking mostly about leafy greens, but don't forget they grow broccoli mm-hmm. and um, celery. Watermelons, and, uh, watermelon. lots of onions. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of different crops. So in Yuma, facil- and again, this is specifically to Yuma, uh, facilities supporting the growers and packers include 22 coolers and 10 salad plants. If you... Not too long ago, I'd maybe say half a dozen years ago, we got to go to a tour of how they process the lettuce. And wow, it's an amazing system and it's very clean and um, food safe. safety, you can tell, is such a priority by all the workers there. It was it was a neat tour. I get a lot yeah, of farm tours. Ever has, <laughs> yeah, opportunities to go to a salad um, operation or any sort of vegetable, you know, carrot processing, broccoli processing, any of those. Um, it is very neat. It is. What they're doing. Well, so you mentioned one recipe that your mom da- did brought over the other night. Any other special leafy green salad recipes for us while we're listening to you on the radio? Well, I'm just always like a classic wedge salad girl. I just can't, you know, with a little bit of blue cheese and then with ranch dressing instead of blue cheese dressing. It's just like my favorite. But I've also been kind of cabbage. I really like cabbage. And so I looked up some cabbage recipes and I've been, there's a cabbage steak recipe where you just slice kind of the cabbage alongside and you make these little, um, slices of cabbage and you put them on the pan and you put mm. olive oil oh, yeah. and garlic yeah. and you just roast it in the oven and some people put nuts on them like pecans or walnuts and that's just been really good although don't save it and try to eat it the next day it's definitely one that you need to eat you right need out of to the eat oven. Then. And, and i got a recipe yeah. for that too i found online I it's like you... it's like eating steak but it's just a yeah thick cut, uh, but piece it's of cabbage. cabbage oh mm. my. yeah no. we're gonna have great. to try that you guys need to put it up on the rosie on the house website we can do that <laughs> and i'm also going to put a it. link from the old farmers almanac which is their website's almanac.com they had an article just about growing lettuce your own lettuce winter long and containers on your patio or kitchen sill just depending on you know the temperature of of what region you're in and you know jay harper our farm fresh expert our our nursery expert always talks about how easy it is to grow herbs and greens and indoors and you're indoors yeah. you know we and don't know if to talk about how easy lettuce could be as a container cami uh Wendell Van Horn, the new last name is is throwing me off, but I'll get it designated to memory. Thanks for uh, joining us on phone. Julie Murphy, Arizona Farm Bureau. You can go to azfb.org and sign up for your Farm Bureau membership to support local ag. Thank you.